Hey, alright. And welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation about music. And our conversation this week is with Stevie Knipe of Adult Mom. One of my favorite humans. Stevie and I have a lot to talk about this week. And another favorite human, Namdi gifted us this wonderful theme music that we're playing at the top of the show each week. Thank you, Namdi, and thank you for joining us. I hope this is finding everyone well. I'm in a moment of scatter over here at Better Yet HQ. My partner and I are moving out of Chicago. Jay and I are moving to Valparaiso, Indiana, about 90 minutes east of Chicago, quiet little street with a big backyard for our dogs Hadley and Lily to run around in and some raised beds we'll be getting the garden going first things first I got a basketball hoop now and a lawnmower but a basketball hoop and it needs a new rim but I'm up for that job in nine years in Chicago I'm sad to leave. I'm also ready to leave. It feels like it's time, but it's not like it's felt like it's been time. So I'll be gone, but I'll still be close enough to, I think, rep this town very hard. It's the best music city in the country right now, and it's been that way for a few years. Sad to be leaving, but still feel very much uh, attached to this place. But if I'm feeling any one thing, it's not sentiment right now. It's literally, I've got a lot of boxes to pack. This podcast has a Patreon, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. The revenue from our Patreon is split equally each month between the show, our guests, and organizations chosen by our guests. If you pledge to our Patreon this week, you will be supporting Better Yet, and you'll be supporting Stevie. We're a podcast that pays our guests for their time. You can pledge $3 a month, like you're leaving us a tip. Or you can pledge $10 a month, which will gain you access to exclusive content from me and from our guests. We had Chris Sutter of Meatwave send us a playlist of songs that inspired the Mercy of Nature tape that he and Jess Price of Camp Dogs released earlier this month fantastic work my dude chris fucking expanding we were also joined by max stern for an interview max also played a few songs from his new record impossible sum which is out tomorrow on lauren records get that over at maxwellstern.bandcamp.com patreon.com slash ready at podcast to listen to max play some of those songs i'm gonna talk to his old friend tim about jason molina also, each week on our Patreon, our guests gift us with a contribution to the feed. Last week, Sarah Tudson of Illuminati Hotties left us a playlist of the tracks that inspired the new Illuminati Hotties record, Free IH. Nandi dropped an unreleased track called Montrose Beach. And Stevie this week, Stevie and I had ourselves a watch along with an episode of a certain Canadian teen melodrama that we're both a fan of. That is super fun. You can hear it over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. Proceeds from that Patreon will go to Stevie, to the show. And this week we're sending money to Rise Up Kingston, an organization based in Kingston, New York, where Stevie now resides these days. It was lovely chatting with stevie as always they have always been a fun conversation on topics both silly and serious and we cover those crowns pretty thoroughly this week stevie hasn't released a new lp since 2017 when we last spoke there's a big reason why and we unpack it and we also talk about the situation with adult mom's record label as it's evolved and i think What we talk about here is important information, but it's also a very encouraging outlook on the future of Adult Mom. 
You can subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player of choice. Tell a friend. Head over to patreon.com slash better yet podcast. Here's me and Stevie Knight. You flee when it's hard. something yeah it's, it's like, like a really shay and silent bob yes, yes yes go canadian and it's it's so not funny even in fake time and the whole it's all a ploy for kevin smith the real person to be on degrassi so that he can make out with caitlin ryan it's oh like god why weird you did nothing to deserve this you know (laughs) with degrassi like okay so like there's so many things about degrassi that have like changed my perspective on things because it was just you know it's like you know it's kind of like a like an after school special like psa type of Mm -hmm. thing like a lot of the time but i remember like really the most damaging thing about it to me was that i was you know, it was around when like YouTube started to come around. You could like look things up about shows. And that was like the first time that I ever saw that like a show wasn't like filmed on, at a real high school. Like I like mm. learned about like how it's like it was it's on a set and it like ruined the magic for me. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? This is fake. <laughs> it's funny when you have those like realizations like, oh, you mean, and I, I still get that. Like, even seeing sitcoms inside people's houses, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, this is, must be crowded in there. Just a normal living room in everyday America. But that was everyday Canada was the thing. That was everyday Canada. I love Degrassi, though. And I I like watching it and being like, Okay, so this is, right, it's a PSA. A lot of these shows are very, very geared towards we're presenting something to teenagers that is that is good and positive because, you know, what else is out there? Every, adults are so, they're so repressed. Um, but then you're just right. watching some of it and it's like, as far as like the PSA goes, uh, I think we lost the plot here because this is <laughs> <laughs> it's not totally about making something dramatic. Yeah, it's like it's just like the melodramatic. Like how how far can we amplify the teen experience? Yeah, and that's why I like talking to you so much, Stevie, because you are you're great at keeping me in touch with. The youth culture and in fact <laughs> stevie nipe we talked way back when I was living in my the, the first apartment that i was living in uh when i was doing the show and that was so much fun and then you helped uh help me out with the all of god's money compilation that poor places cover and yeah so you know, I, I I approach these interviews with just like, all right, this is my homie. I haven't had a chance to talk to Stevie um, in a little bit. And also, we've got an audience that's listening to us talk. So I think that I'm going to do my best to try and like tell that line very well. Because, you know, questions I have, and then there's also questions that everybody at home certainly has about you and about how things are going for you. So I just, on behalf of the world, I guess, I'm, I just want to know how are your guinea pigs doing? <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. That was the first one. <laughs> they are amazing. I love them with all of my heart. I cry when I look at them. Uh, the saddest thing is our little baby Cashew has had really bad diarrhea for like two and a half weeks. Mm. So he's been on medicine. We have to like, it's actually fucking cute though. We have to like, you know, like put the little antibiotic into a little syringe and like put it in his little mouth. 
Mm-hmm. But he loves it because it probably tastes like sugar. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that's, you know what? I'm not kidding. That like, It's been like weighing on me. I'm like stressed about his health, but yeah. it's okay. I paid way too much money at the vet to get him checked out. Uh, that's, what, that's what all pets are good for. That's what they are. But um, they're incredible. It's so stupid, but it's not. Like, they like, ugh, like caring for such sweet and affectionate and like needy animals is like so affirming and definitely life changing, especially through this very disturbing and sad period of life. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like a crazed guinea pig parent where like when I talk to friends, it's like kind of all that I talk about. <laughs> Just like, I know it's not okay. Cause no one cares. Um, <laughs> but what fucking choice do they have? At least that's the <laughs> way I go. Cause damn, my dogs are everything. Exactly. Hadley is Hadley's so small and like low to the ground that she definitely has like, mouse slash guinea pig slash rabbity qualities especially when she's yeah a little well she's actually got big feet but little legs and she's very like whenever she gets into a new place she's just like nose to the ground she wants to cover like every square inch Mm. of the room sniffing it up but we've had her and i've (laughs) been living in my home for most of that time. I mean, not living, but like living. I've been at home, right? Yeah, for most of that time, and she's getting a lot spunkier, mm-hmm. sillier. It's just been so great. It's crazy, like watching things grow. It's like mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's been. I mean, I've always have have had pets. Like I've gr- grown up with so many different pets. Like I've had like parakeets. I've had cats. I've had a rabbit, a hamster. Like, you know, it's like every pet. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they were always like family pets and like shared pets with, with family and parents. And, you know, and it's like, it's like, oh, God, it's so corny. But like, sh- like watching these like little creatures grow with like live, like my partner is like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like we were really like they're like our kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's totally. <laughs> I remember taking Hadley home and we were, Mm. she was so quiet. And, um, when we, I remember in an, in the Uber back from like the airport and we, we had her with us and I was texting my dad and I was like, she's just so quiet and chill. Like I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if we like never heard her bark. Mm -hmm. And then we brought her home and inside for the first time. And she just started like, running around and she like jumped up on the couch and she started barking this little bark and I was like oh wow you know you're here yay (laughs) I love animals so I had a question for you um regarding Cashew and Kermit yes um if your guinea pigs were members of REM (laughs) which ones would they be this is like one of the most loaded questions I could really I could really write an essay about this. Um mm. I'm gonna go with like more gut emotional reactions here. I I feel like Okay. I feel like Kermit is Bill Barry. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like he has the energy that like, you know, Bill Berry kind of carries the band. He's the drummer. He he's also like one of the lead songwriters, you know. Yeah. He wrote Everybody Hurts. Yeah. But you know, he's not up front. You know, he's he's not like, you know, up he's not being Michael Stipe. Um he's kind of carrying the the band in a in a really important way. And I feel I feel like Kermit is like that, but he's also Kermit is a little bit dinkier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dinkier <laughs> whatever the word you know like he's the word i'm trying to think of is dumber mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's kermit's a little stupid but that's okay he's learning yeah and then cashew is almost absolutely uh peter buck wow 
cashews like that's that's a that's a that's a big one that's a uh you would i would say that peter buck is probably the one who carries the most weight in terms of just being the polymath of yeah of the crew i mean he 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 brings those freaking leads in you know Uh he elevates those songs with those pluckily jangly riffs you know yeah you know in a way in a way cashew's diarrhea problem is similar to that of a jangly (laughs) guitar riff (laughs) it's kind of flying all over the place yeah and i've seen kermit's eyebrows so i totally get the bill berry (laughs) love that eyebrow the bill berry eyebrow is is actually one of the reasons why he's in the band was in our, is in our, was in REM. I'm not kidding. Like oh, really? that's like Michael Stipe was like, I saw him and like loved his unibrow. And like, that's like, was one of the ways that they became friends mm-hmm. or like it attracted him to that. Yeah. <laughs> but don't get me on this road. I will. There's too much. I know. I'm a big fan of how much of a fan you are of REM. We can, <laughs> we can leave yeah. it there. It was when that development started happening. I was like, "Oh, this is this is good for Stevie." Um, so you're you're in the Hudson Valley mm-hmm. now. You grew up there, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up in Suffern, New York, which is like, uh, like Southern Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it I, it's like an hour away from where I live now. Um, it's like it it is different. It's definitely different up here. It's I don't know how far we are from the same. Like two hours, but um, it's beautiful. It's a little bit secluded. It's definitely small, um, but it's also crazy because almost everyone and their mother is has been fleeing up here and like buying houses and renting from New York city mm-hmm. to one, I think it's, you know, escape the pandemic, but also because they're realizing like that the amenities of living in New York, like aren't worth it because we're in a pandemic. And so, yeah, it's like cheaper to live up here, but it's also not cheaper mm-hmm. at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, so by by the time that this airs, uh, Jay and I will be on our way out to Valparaiso, Indiana. So we're f- not fleeing Chicago. We are. We're done. And yeah. I think um, we're probably experiencing the same things that uh, people in New York City are experiencing right now. And I remember texting Mike Campbell, who is in... I can never remember the name of that actual town. It's not Woodstock. It's right by Woodstock. Saugerties. Saugerties. Oh, that's mm-hmm. easier than I thought. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I was like, I think we might be moving, like, to Indiana. And he was like, like, ten of my friends have, like, hit me up about, like, moving up here. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's an interesting. I mean, it's definitely, you know. a a privilege to be able to do and in a lot of ways, but you know, I think, I don't know. It's interesting to be in a place which is like not the, not the supposed supposed center of the universe, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think, I mean, I love New York city and you know, forever and ever, but I think that like people are starting to realize that it's like, like living in the city, like what are the amenities that you're getting? Okay. Like, you're having access to all these things, these shows, these people, these this quote unquote culture, whatever that fucking means, like museums. <laughs> so most people like they're like, Oh, you have access to culture, which is like restaurant and, and museums. Um mm-hmm. but it's like, yeah, I think people are starting to realize that it's like there's a lot going on in other places that are smaller and you can actually like maybe accessibly build community easier because you have more money and mm-hmm. you know space and things like that um which is nice but i will be i i will judge a tourist from <laughs> new york city that treats the hudson valley like it's like a receptacle 
Um, I mean, that's like, kind of how it's always been, right? I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like I lived here my whole life. But yeah, it's like it's more extreme, obviously, now. But I also, you know, I don't, I can't fucking judge anybody. Like I wouldn't, if I was in the, I mean, first of all, I don't want to live in the city, but if I was in the city now, I would, or six months ago, I'd be losing my mind mm-hmm. in, in more, more than I am now. So yeah, totally. If you can leave, leave. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to going into our, that, that County that we're moving to is like 50% Republican at least in the 2018 mm. election, and 49% Democrat. There was a MAGA okay. hat in that mm-hmm. house that we just bought. and I, Inside? Mm-hmm. Wow. So a lot of Bible verses just, like, painted on the wall, which is... No, that's cursed. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we got, some, we got some sage to burn. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's uh-huh. like, boot these homies out of here, and... On with you. I'm going to gentrify Porter County, Indiana, baby. You want to you wanna be the star of gentrification? That's what you're saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tim? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know it. You know it. Um, so, <laughs> so let me ask you uh, a little bit more seriously. How, how have you been, like, lately... You and I both traded like rescheduling, which <laughs> yeah. for me is always uh, a great sign for how well I'm functioning on the day to day. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It's, I'll be honest. I mean, listen, I've definitely, you know, adjusted to a different type of emotional normal Mm -hmm. for myself where you know i'm not spiraling all the time i'm not in a deep depressive episode like i was i don't know like four months ago or something Mm. um so things are like calmer and you know but it's also like i'm i'm not doing well i mean Mm -hmm. I feel it's almost frustrating. It's like I I feel almost like it's like I'm kind of settling for this like just middle of the road feeling every day because I don't want to like access this like darker side and this like, you know, kind of like take in everything that's going on in the world at once and then like feel it and be so emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I've been doing either a really good job at like boundaries with that stuff or Mm -hmm. I'm being, I'm doing an incredibly good job at repressing. So we will find out in a couple of months, which one, which option that is. Why, why in a couple (laughs) months? Cause you feel like it's going to come to a, a point where it's either got to be addressed or it went away. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to need more time. I've always been kind of a slower processor, you know, completely of my feelings. It's like, Mm -hmm. I know what I'm feeling. I know what it is, but you know, I've kind of been through a lot of shit where it's like my body knows where it's like, you know what? We're not going to, we can't access that right now because Mm -hmm. it's not um, either productive or safe or good for you yeah so i'm a little worried i'm a little worried about the post-pandemic ptsd <laughs> yeah i mean like sorry you, to bring that up no but i mean you want to talk about the idea of like are we doing good or are we just repressing things like time mm-hmm. will tell just the amount of strangeness that i think we've all like absorbed and like either gotten used to or has driven us like outside of our normal just processing had we been in a more normal it's it's strange to consider i yeah I, i feel like i at a at a time just like sort of 
disconnected from the world at large and like returning mm-hmm. to it at times can feel like very strange. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I did, I, you know, I talked to my friend the other day about this and they're actually like a therapist. And so, I mean, they're not my therapist, but you know, I feel like, you mm-hmm. know, we were just like talking about this kind of stuff and it was like, I was like, do you feel like it's okay that I'm kind of like, not necessarily compartmentalizing feelings, but kind of like, you know, putting things in the back burner, but then setting out time to like sit with it and feel it and then like kind of zip it back up or like kind of you know put it away put it under the bed for a little bit Mm -hmm. and then you know unfold those clothes again you know what i'm saying yeah and we were like you know what that's i think how most people are coping uh it's definitely not the worst way to cope in the entire world. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess I'm just like, I don't know what the standard is. Like I'm always like, I'm always like, you know, am I doing the right thing for myself? Am I like being the best? Like, am I being the healthiest? Am I doing this, you know, in every, every great way that I can or the best way I can. But at this point, you know, nobody has those answers at all. Yeah. So you have to do what is, what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like not, it's not like you're um, starting a new job. It's not like right. you're um, like at the end of a tour and you're tired and you want to go home. Right. You're experiencing a global pandemic and, uh, you know, yeah. a, a moment of... Uh, civil rights uh Mm -hmm. history so yeah i mean it's i think it can be it can be very hard to know if you're doing right by yourself and that i think also is it works with i think a constant um question that people ask or pe- you know i think people who are on the right side of things who are who are attempting to be on the right side of things are asking of themselves which mm-hmm. is am i doing enough mhm which for me the answer to the second one is always no it's <sighs> always no mm-hmm. yeah of course. I mean, of course it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone whose answer would be yes. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I think it's just been... I've been noticing lately that I'm just so much more prone to think less of the things that I'm doing, which is so habitual, and that's just totally depression talking. Mm-hmm. But it's like... Every time I finish something, at least in the past like month, it's like, who cares? It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I hate that. I hate that part of me, but tell that to that part of me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, that's the thing too. I mean, I think, I don't know exactly what your situation is, but it's like, You know, I've been, like, doing things. You know, I've been, like, writing. I mean, I've, like, half written, like, four songs. Like, you know, but it's something. But, like, you know, I guess, like, it's been technically, like, six months since I, quote, unquote, worked. Which means, you know, since I was on tour Mm -hmm. and was being compensated for my work. And so it's, like, there's definitely, I think, like, a role of, like, with, like, you know, the capitalist like pressure of like, well, like we're, I'm doing things, but I'm like not being like directly compensated for that energy that I just put into something. So it like has less value. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like less productive. Um, which, you know, is that's the sickness of being within capitalism. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, which like, you know, I'm trying to reorient 
about myself is like, it's like, what's the feeling that you get when you finish something that you like or worked really hard on? Uh huh. And it's always good. Yeah, of course. You but know. Then it, like, it. You, mm-hmm. and, but you get to that place, like in the next minute or the next hour or the next couple days or something where you're like, yeah, but that doesn't count or that's shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like trying to be more mindful, you know, in the in the present, really. And just be like, well, I actually was working on this craft project for eight hours straight and at least I didn't look at my phone for eight hours straight. So yeah, I did something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got uh, another question that I, I guess would go on the, uh, the people at home are wondering column. So cool. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you that one. Okay. Last November, mm. You posted mm-hmm. a uh, series of tweets. Oh no! It's okay, we're fine. I can't not ask. No, you listen. About ask this, me. Stevie. We're gonna. Um, you know what? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> so, um, I think when we talk about this situation, I'm supposed to use the word allegedly. So okay. I think you and I both know <laughs> where we, uh, where I fall sure, on. Sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. But. I mean that that series of tweets about tiny engines um and are they are they still are you still technically under contract? I know you got your masters back. I didn't actually. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well let's talk about that first because the um I think we you did give an update that said oh, they're giving me my masters back. Yes. But as we're learning, a twist in the story, a hard, hard to believe twist that the <laughs> uh, company who allegedly didn't give you statements for four years and uh, allegedly owed you uh, several thousand dollars and allegedly paid you uh, finally after getting leaned on allegedly by uh, MGMT. Um, did not follow through with the promise to give you your master's back. Okay. Right. Interesting. Right. Twist. Is it interesting or is it just was, expected? Right. No, it's, exactly. It's, you know mm-hmm. what? Here's the thing. I, you know, since I talked about it initially in no, last November, I, you know, I think I, I was coming from this place of like, I had been, working with them since 2015 Mm -hmm. and at that point yeah it was 2019 so it was you know quite a bit you know we had a bit of a relationship I mean we had done two records with them all that stuff and um it was kind of like you know when you try to you try every option that you possibly can because in my opinion like making things publicized is messy and scary and not what I want at all Mm -hmm. to be associated with my work and my band because I just, you know, want positivity and, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it's like we tried like every possible legal avenue to make things right. Um, you know, in a way that just, it just for years, like for like over two years, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's like, you know, you get so frustrated and things come to a point where it's like, what the fuck is going on? And and then, you know, it's just like, I, f- I was being wronged, I felt. And so I started talking to other bands on the label and, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of like snowballed into this thing where I was like, it, you know, I realized I was like, okay, so it's not just happening to me. It's happening to like, I guess, almost every single band allegedly on this label. Yeah. Um, but nobody had the educational tools or understanding or 
not that I don't, I want to come off and not trying to be condescending. That's not, I know. I, I think I know what you're trying to say. It's yeah. like, they didn't have, they weren't sure what capable, like what capabilities they had. Right. Or like in the situation or even what they were worth because I didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. The only reason why I knew eventually is because I started working with my friend, Aaron um, Aaron Kovacs, who runs Lauren Records and friend of the show, friend of the pod, Aaron. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's amazing, and I love him very much. And you know, a couple years ago, he was like, "Yeah, so have you?" You know, he was like, "We were like going over our streaming like numbers and things like that." And he's like, "Okay, so you probably make like X amount a month, right? Like you probably like get." this type of check every six months. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, a check. I was like, I've actually, right. <laughs> I don't, mm, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> like type mm-hmm. of thing where I was like, <laughs> you know, it was like this like night, night naivety of like, Oh, uh, I actually, you know, I didn't even really realize, um, that I was supposed to be mm-hmm. getting paid. And you know, that, that was sad because it was sad for me because I was like, Oh God, I'm stupid. And, you know, didn't, you know, I mean, I don't know. It felt, I felt embarrassed, um, by it, but yeah. Cause it's like, now you're in a position where you have to like, if you're going to like bring this forth in any sort of way, you're, you're having to admit that you didn't know something. Exactly. And there's shame in that. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, I signed a shitty contract. Like, Mm-hmm. I'll own that. I did. I was like fucking 20 years old when I signed that contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in college, like literally, you know, it's like you go, it's like going into this band, like putting that record together. I was like, no one's going to listen to this. Oh, but this mm-hmm. label wants to like do vinyl for it. So like, fine, take whatever you want. Like you're putting mm-hmm. it out. Like, you know, it's just that energy, which you know, it's definitely, it's fine. But, um, I think, yeah, like I started, it's like, I started to build up my empowerment and my, you know, self-worth as an artist or, you know, what I should be getting, um, Mm -hmm. which was in a contract that they wrote out. But yeah, it's like, you know, it was like the last straw for me. I mean, I, there was a whole conversation where I felt just so immediately manipulated and disrespected that I was like, fuck this. I'm like, not going to do this behind closed doors anymore. Like I was like, I'm just going to talk about it because it's like, like there's no negotiating at that point, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what I chose to do. And I chose to talk about it on twitter.com. (laughs) <laughs> which is whatever. And honestly, yeah, like it's, I got nothing to show for it. Like nothing changed. I don't have my work back, even though they said they were going to give it to me back. Uh, you know, they've got tons of bands locked in these fucking stupid contracts that they won't release them out of. And, you know, it's just a huge mess. Um, And it's kind of like, you know, when you decide to come forward about something or quote unquote call something out, which I don't like love that language because I guess it was a call out, but it was more of like, I need to talk about this because nothing is happening and something has to happen and I need help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, it's like, I understand now when, once you start to talk about something publicly like that, that is going to get attention and it's affects a lot of people that, you know, yeah, it's like, it's not just about me. It's about so many other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my intention was to not like blow this label up and like have them disappear into a black hole. Like, Right. I just wanted them to fucking pay me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, and it 
could have been so much easier if they just did that. Um, in the first place, allegedly. In the first place, allegedly. In the uh-huh. first place. Um, I'm sorry. I'm like ranting. It kind of. It's like. I don't know the whole the whole sitch sucks, major ass and all that. But also, there's sides of it of like talking about it and that coming, you know, forth where you know a number of bands like kind of got freed out of that situation and are like onto like much fucking better shit. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right, because it's, it's like, this isn't changing, it's stagnant. How do I make it unstagnant? Usually there's um, no real way to do that without it rocking, like, foundations in possibly negative ways in right. certain spots. I guess, like, what... Um, what was your because i think that by doing this you obviously reached your audience but i don't think i don't think any of us were anticipating this to be like the news item that it became right neither did i yeah how was like that i guess as it as it sort of became a much larger thing were you thinking like oh like this is maybe like that i'm like feeling able to handle right now or were you still feeling like no this is i guess was it like a positive thing because i think pretty much every fucking indie publication that exists was on that story that week i know including betteryetpod.com (laughs) Dave Collis and I talked about that for like, because I, I will say like, like my relationship with just tiny engines as a label goes back to 2009. And right. That, exactly. That hurt. That was a real, um, difficult thing to, to see, especially for what felt like a label that took something, um, and let it grow very organically. Totally. And I think that, you know, everyone's going to have their own perception and feeling about a situation like that. And it's, that's kind of like the bummer I think about it is like, I was like really depressed and, my self-worth was like super low, you know, when Mm. I wasn't being compensated and I was being like kept in the dark about like, just like the simplest of things, you know, like Mm. getting a financial statement, you know, which is baseline, just the bare minimum. Um, yeah. In a way where, you know, maybe I, maybe I took it too personally. Maybe I felt, you know, I think, yeah, at a point it was depressing me where I was like, well, you know, this just, this means, you know, I'm embarrassed because I signed this contract and now I'm in it indefinitely and they're going to own my masters for the rest of my life. So I'm just going to have to fucking deal with it. And, you know, oh, like me never getting paid or like not getting paid on time or all these like things that, you know, it's like, you know, I got to a point where I was like, well, fuck it. I guess I just like have to accept that because that's what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not special and you got to just take what you can get or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And like once I, you know, it was like that thing where it was like once I was, you know, made aware about like how fucked up it was and how much deeper it was than just me. Like, you know, it was like, there was another side of that depression of like, Oh shit. Like, now I'm like understanding what I'm quote unquote worth or, you know, whatever. Uh, but also it's like, I cared for these people on that label mm-hmm. a lot. And we worked together for a while and it's like, 
yeah, it's like finding out that someone kind of sucks or whatever that you definitely have like grown a creative relationship. Um, so it took me a really long time to like even take steps to even address it with them. Yeah. Where's the blueprint there? There is none. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's that thing. It's, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it's like, am I, you know, I, I'm like a non-man in music, you know, it's like, I'm like, I don't want to cause a stir or like, mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, they're just like being guys who are like forgetful and, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then being like, oh no, it's like really not fine. But like, I don't want it to not be fine. I like, don't want this. I don't want any of this to be happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. type of thing yeah i didn't want to cause an issue no. but there's an issue but there's an issue mm-hmm. um but yeah you know i definitely get in these places in these states where i get fucking angry and you know, a little bit of juice, like empowerment, like energy from that anger where I felt like so fucking over it mm-hmm. that I remember I texted Aaron and I was like, fuck this shit. It's like Friday. I'm just going to tweet what ha- what's happening because I'm like so over this. I can't have another fucking call with a lawyer. I can't have another crazy conversation with these guys like it's just it's i can't like it's been going on for too long and you know it is it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) um there was um obviously i think that the what was i think the most um, I think what really like this obviously like shook things up like big time like oh like fuck this is uh this is wild this is this is a bummer that this is happening and then just seeing like mannequin pussy mm-hmm. Kayatana mm-hmm. just a lot of people coming in saying yeah this is pretty familiar um there was like a back and forth between you and christian holden um and i i i was interested in in how that all went if that's something that you're interested in in talking about more because i i did feel that they were giving a little bit of like yo, I feel you, but it is, like, it's disorganization, like, more than anything. And I thought that your reaction to that was, I think, something that I actually, like, integrated into my life as best I could, which is just, like, you can't do the job if you don't do the job the right way. I get it. We all like want this to be a like cool and supportive thing for everybody, but it's not working. Yeah. And like, I won't speak to that particular exchange, but like, you know, I think that is a a common thing that a lot of people were saying over the years, even, you know, just dealing with it as bands. Mm hmm an artist like just kind of be like, well, it's just two guys and, you know, a small staff and, you know, it's just kind of, you know, they're doing their best. It is what it is. And it's like, sure. But these are like mm-hmm. middle-aged men who this is their career. So how about do your fucking job? Like, and I don't want to be like mm-hmm. aggressive, but it's just like so frustrating. Cause it's like, why, why are, like, why am I or somebody else being put in a position to, like, give someone slack when, 
it's like clearly negatively affecting my life. And yeah, in a way where it's like, well, I'm sorry, like we signed the contract that they wrote for us and they're (laughs) allegedly not, um, you know, adhering to the rules that they set up. So, you know, at a point, it comes to a point where it's like being flaky and mis and disorganized and where it becomes, you know, actually either pointed or malicious or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's like, there's no fucking excuse, like get your shit together. And if you can't deal with it, mm-hmm. then let the bands go and do something else. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean. You I know, what, know I mean. what you mean. You know what I mean. And yeah, I I I found one of the like most interesting parts of of all of it was I remember a good solid year just being like, oh, why do they keep releasing five song tapes by all these people? And that's not nothing, nothing to um, no shade on any of those artists right. at all um but it was like yo i'm i'm a little worn out i'm a, like i can't i don't got space for a new new band every six weeks uh, and then yeah. seeing that and i was like oh, yeah that that tracks but that's a tough line for you to walk because it's like you're speaking for yourself and you're also speaking to a a truth that I think a lot of people understand. And I think that, that I think that that, I don't know. Did you find, uh, did you catch any flack for just that, that statement? Um, cause it's like, well, what did those bands do? And it's like, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not about those bands. It's just about this pattern that they're, you know what I'm trying to say? Right. Yeah. And like, you know, Yeah, it's like, you know, it's so hard because it's like, I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) We, if, if it's, if, if you feel like we've, we can be, we can be done with it. I feel like I'm like getting in like a, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. So. I was like, I feel like the, like the last thing I want to say about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that. If there are like grown adult privileged white men who are like in this scene and who are running this label and you know doing all of the of the good things they're signing incredible fucking bands every band on the Tiny Engines roster is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. There's no ba- bad band on that label. Um they're excellent curators. They they know how to curate a roster and they know what to put out. Um, so how are you going to praise a label for creating that type of artist community and, and doing what they do well, but then at the same time, not take them seriously quite enough to hold them to a standard mm. mm-hmm. of what they've set. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. They represent something that's positive for our scene, except they're not taking care of really a much more important thing, which is providing for everybody who they're in, you know, in charge of taking care of. And that. Exactly. Or, you know, well, it's just like, yeah, you can't, you can't like on one hand be like, oh, well, like they're just disorganized and miss you know having a hard time in that way but then at the same time like praise them for what they've built because i'm like well those you know those things go hand in hand so we Mm -hmm. you can't you know i don't know i think at a point i get really frustrated when grown-ass adults who are who have been doing this for a long 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 time and i'm not speaking about just tiny engines i'm speaking very generally here Mm -hmm. and i'm speaking a lot about men specifically and it's like it's like you know why are we why are we giving this like guy a pass like Mm -hmm. it's like you know you can't like both highly respect someone's work but then also be like 
Well, I don't know. I think he was just like being kind of stupid and like didn't know what he was doing. Because, you know, I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> like, what do you, you know, yeah. that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. That is, that is the last thing I'll say because, yeah, I think, I think that needs to be drilled into, into more people's heads, uh, including mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, know? you don't. It, it the, the the excuse that it's how just how someone is or just how things are it's not it's not gonna fly it's not how it should work and that's not how progress can take place i would say no um so my question for you and for our listeners is what's the best way to support you directly hmm well i guess money that's an easy answer yeah hit me with that venmo yeah i mean direct i think direct support is great um you know i think actually i think you know i'm actually going to change my answer i think direct support in terms of monetary direct support is incredible but I think like what is bigger than that is um, like following along and trying to stay within like the community of whatever adult mom fan base I'm trying to build or whatever is like, you know, just like staying present and, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to like do fun shit with me and like wanting to engage in things and support, um, you know, it doesn't have to be monetary. I think, you know, hanging, sticking around is, you know, maybe the biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's real. Because, I mean, we're talking about something that happened fucking a year ago. And your last record came out. A long time ago. Three years ago. And I think that it is, it's really tough with the way attention spans work. And I think that one of the things that I've taken uh, a real, one of the things that's like deeply affected me, I'd say in the past six months or so is just the idea that you are, we're all capable of just like keeping, keeping our own worlds like close and I think mm-hmm. that with music sometimes, especially in the last few years, there's like been a it's 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 felt like you have to kind of keep up with things as they go. It's like there's so much happening constantly and like being on top of shit as it's happening. And I I think that really devoting a lot more to the the ones that you do care about and always of course like being open and and searching for new things but for yourself not for a like not for the idea that you're like in the know that you have like all of your you got eyes on everything that's going on right now and I really like that idea of just like, you know, keeping close with you and what you're doing. Exactly. And, you know, the like, something I've been talking about for the past like year or maybe longer is just like, it, it's something I thought about, you know, when I got really into REM, but it's like, I started a fucking Facebook group called REM shitposting and it brought a lot of people that I never knew or whatever into this like small Facebook community where we would like just like literally post memes or just like talk about how much we loved this band and like all that stuff and you know it it definitely fueled the fire like it it helped me to remain passionate about this band and about these artists and 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 want to be engaged Mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a community of some sort. I mean, it's an online community and it's small and it's not intense, but it is there and it's important and it's great 
to have a you know a number of people where you can like you'd be like oh look at this stupid funny thing or look at this incredible performance that I just watched I mean basically what I'm ranting about is how important I feel like fan community is or community around thing that you love is and I've always wanted that around what I do uh with music and anything else and that's really important to me and I also think yeah it's like that organic thing of like you're stoked about what this person's doing so we're all going to be stoked together and we're all going to have a good time together and like yeah I don't know it's like I don't know if that like makes it sound like a sad type of friend group but you know what I'm trying to say I do know what you're trying to say because I think that if you're really a if you're really like into something if you're passionate about something it's not like a you know two or three emotions Mm -hmm. type of thing it's like yeah I love this band because I fucking love uh learning about mitch easter's like production and i love the fact that they have so many seven inches but also like they're cool looking and they're silly and there are (laughs) you know there are fun videos to share and it's like that's that's fucking that's how life is it's it's exactly it's all within um you know the 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 complete like range of emotions and the idea that um you know all intellectual um, you know thought goes towards uh this type of music that i like in particular it's Mm -hmm. like okay do you do you ever laugh (laughs) yeah but it's like yeah there's like a lightheartedness when there is a i mean depends but some some stand communities are like fucking terrifying yeah, uh, that's looking at true. looking at you, Swifties, <laughs> fucking, and I say this as a as a Taylor Swift fan, it is horrifying. It's very scary. But like, if I think in my life, like how I've connected to people, or even like started dating people, or you know, became friends with people, whatever it is, it's usually through like shit that I'm in love with, and I like we either like share like we like like the same thing and so we like can't stop talking about it all night or Mm -hmm. it's like it's like maybe we don't like the same thing but we we like different things but in the same way yeah you know definitely which is like wow that's like a top top five emotion that's like the best feeling that connection yeah it runs deeper I think than yeah. than most. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that we're doing with uh, our community for better yet is that we're talking about an organization each week that's relevant and important to our guests. Stevie, we are talking about Rise Up Kingston, and Kingston mm-hmm. is your is that your town in New York? Yep. It's where I live. You tell us a little bit about Rise Up Kingston. It seems to be a very, very great like organization for your spot and providing for people in your town. Mm-hmm. Well, they're they're a local org. They're completely grassroots, and their main focus is on dismantling racism and overall oppression mm-hmm. um which i think you know that's an it's an incredible mission statement um i think it's important for me to be able to support these grassroots orgs that are doing things you know locally because activism and getting involved in activism can be so fucking overwhelming and reading about political things so i'm like let's just focus on the my neighbors the people that are here in my town mm-hmm but yeah, they do loads of programs um, for fucking people that need it. Uh, they do a lot of educational programs and they deserve like 
a million dollar budget so that's awesome well our patreon is doing quite well so far so i'm certain that we're going to be able to send them one million dollars just through this episode alone (laughs) Um, you can pledge to our patreon at patreon.com slash better yet podcast we got three dollar tier it's just a show of support but if you pledge ten dollars we've got content that we're loading up each week from me and also from our guests each week and stevie and i got a plan (laughs) For the Patreon, we are watching season three episodes. It's a two-part episode, eleven mm-hmm. and twelve. Holiday. Tell them the show. Tell them the show. Degrassi. The next generation. Whatever it takes, you know I can make it through. If I hold up. If I do. <laughs> We're gonna have so much fun watching. Craig cheat on Ashley and <laughs> I, I I can't remember what happens exactly at the winter recital but I hope it I hope it turns out okay um so <laughs> patreon.com slash better yet podcast here <laughs> Stevie and I go ham on season three of Degrassi the next generation um and we got other cool stuff over there with our other guests, Sarah Tudson of Illuminati Hotties, Namdi, and a whole lot more. Stevie, thanks for coming on the pod this week. Thank you, Tim. I love you, and it was it's always a delight. It is always a delight. I love you, too. We'll be back next week. Thank you, friends. 